Good morning. Welcome to the Light of the World broadcast, a ministry of the Holly Grove Baptist Church in Bearden, Arkansas. We, we pray that you are encouraged by the Word of God. God loves you, and so do I. We look forward to seeing you soon. Good morning. Today's scripture will come from Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for allowing us to gather together as a church family to glorify your name. During this pandemic, we pray for healing, peace, and understanding. We ask that you bless everyone in a special way. Thank you for being so, so good to us. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God, bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia, that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Grace. The truth of the matter is that every believer is not affluent. Some believers are poor. Some believers experience lack. Some believers are sick. Some believers live at or below the poverty line. Some believers experience mental or physical or emotional pain. And for some believers, they were broke yesterday, they're broke today, and they will be broke tomorrow. There are those of the body of Christ who do not roll up to the church house on Sunday morning in luxury cars. Many believers think that 401k is the number that comes after 401j. Even our sanctuaries are not always elaborate grace buildings with the modern conveniences. Some congregations struggle. Some churches struggle. Some pastors struggle. I have come to suggest that God does not frown on wealth. And he does not frown on the lack of wealth. Being wealthy is not a sign of spiritual superiority. Being healthy is not a sign of extraordinary empowerment. But I must remind us immediately that no matter what your financial portfolio entails, whether you are wealthy or barely making it, the grace of God makes the difference in your life. The Apostle Paul is writing to a messed up church, the church at Corinth. He writes from a jail cell with a sentence of death hovering over his head. Paul has been the church's greatest evangelist and he now writes his pastoral epistle to the church at Corinth. The root problem of the church at Corinth is that of a lack of spiritual direction. 
They came to church. They crowded the sanctuary. They filled the roles of the organizational charts. However, their actions negated anything that they professed in the sanctuary. My brothers and sisters, we all need to make sure that our talk and our walk match up. Don't proclaim him Lord unless he is your Lord. Don't pray thy kingdom come unless you are prepared to leave your own kingdom and are prepared to join his. Notice that Paul writes lovingly about the church at Philippi. He writes lovingly about the church at Thessalonica. He writes lovingly about the Berean church. However, this church is is spiritually lacking, fiscally stingy, and lovingly deficient. Paul says that the grace of God is resting upon a church, but Corinth is not your church. The grace of God is moving within a church, but Corinth, not your church. The grace of God is doing miraculous things within a church, but Corinth, not your church. The grace of God is providing signs and wonders, but Corinth, not in your church. Paul says that the grace of God has been bestowed. And that word suggests that God has given this grace. God has assigned this grace. That grace didn't fall out of the sky accidentally, but grace was given to a church. Not to the church at Corinth, but to the church at Macedonia. It's interesting that Paul says that God's favor is upon the Macedonian church, especially since the Macedonian church was a poverty stricken church. It was not only a poor church, it was a show enough poor church. They had what you call rock bottom destitution. This does not sound like a church that is experiencing the grace of God. But if the church was a poor church and if the church had rock bottom destitution and the church was poverty stricken, therefore the church was comprised of people who were under the same classification. Let me hurry up and tell you that if a church is a cold church, it's not because the building temperature has gone below 32 degrees, but it's because the spiritual temperature of the lives of believers has grown cold. If a church is not doing anything, it's not because the building is inadequate or facilities can't house new ministries. It's because the building is filled with folks who are lazy, uncaring, and don't want to go forward. But if a church is what the old preachers used to call a hot church, it's not because somebody left the heat on last night or set a fire in the building, but it's because the Holy Spirit is in the veins of the people who worship there like fire shut up in their bones. If a church is a loving church. It's not because of a warm ambience of a building or low lights in the sanctuary, but it's because of the sensitivity of the people who gather to praise his name. Therefore, if the church in Macedonia was a poverty stricken church, it's because the people who went there and cast their lots with that pastor and congregation, they too were poverty stricken. If the church at Macedonia was in deep poverty, it's because the people who called that place their church home was also found to be individually 
in deep poverty. If the church in Macedonia was suffering rock bottom destitution, it's because the disciples who attached themselves to that ministry, they too were suffering individually rock bottom destitution. But I need to tell somebody that if the church is stingy, it simply means the people are stingy. If the church is lazy, the people are lazy. If the church is sorry, the people are sorry. If the church is lame, the people are lame. If the church is stagnant, the people are stagnant. If the church is filled with praise, it's because the people are filled with praise. If the church is on one accord, it's because the people are on one accord. If the church is on fire, it's because the people are on fire. The church at Macedonia was poor. The people of Macedonia were poor. They were suffering on a daily basis. They were troubled on a daily basis. But the grace of God was there. And I believe many of us have seen this principle firsthand. Growing up, I don't remember the name of our butler because we didn't have one. I don't remember the name of our maid because we didn't have one. I don't remember the name of our chauffeur because we didn't have one. But the grace of God was in the house. The grace of God kept things together. And Paul says that the grace of God was given to a poor church. The church at Macedonia. Although they had great problems. Somebody here knows that even though you've had a bad year thus far in 2020, it's been filled with confusion. It's been filled with trouble. It's been filled with frustration. It's been filled with a heartache. It's been filled with a pandemic. But the grace of God is in your house. Somebody here knows that even though you shed some tears this year, the grace of God is in your house. Somebody here knows that even though you've lost some friends lately, the grace of God is upon your life. Somebody here knows that you don't have a lot of money, but you can feel the grace of God on your life. Somebody here knows that you didn't go as far as you wanted to go, but you can feel the grace of God on your life and your testimony ought to be that you may not have as much as you desire, but you have the grace of God in your life. So when you have his grace, your crowded apartment becomes your castle. When you have his grace, your hoop derives like a Cadillac. When you have his grace, your old clothes wear like designer clothes. When you have his grace, your dinner plates look like fine china. When you have his grace, your TV sounds like surround sound. Paul breaks it down. And Paul is saying that when you add these factors up, you will come to the same conclusion. Paul says that the church at Macedonia had great affliction and great joy. Now, this is a paradox. Paul says that the church at Macedonia experienced both at the same time. They had great afflictions. 
They suffered together as citizens under the harsh leadership of Rome. They suffered under the social conditions of an oppressive nation seeking to change the uh, philosophical and sociological trends of an entire nation. They suffered because they were Christians and Christians were persecuted on a regular basis. But Paul says that they received the word and severe suffering. And let me tell you that we as believers will have to do the same. We receive the word while we personally suffer. Somebody here, you have to admit that since you came to Jesus, you have suffered like you never have before. You try to do right, but the more you do right, the more you suffer. You try to live right, but the more you live right, the more you suffer. You try to pray, but the more you pray, the more you suffer. But let me encourage you today as a man of God, don't be weary in well-doing for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. However, these afflictions, these trials were tempered by the joy they had. And this joy could only be given by the Holy Ghost. First Thessalonians 1 and 6 says that they received the word, but with joy of the Holy Ghost. Watch this. They were poor, but they had joy. They were poverty stricken, but they had joy. They were rock bottom destitute, but they had joy. Beloved, the joy of the Holy Ghost will always rise above your sorrows. That's why you can have joy at a funeral. That's why you can have joy after hearing bad news. That's why you can have joy after going through hell in your house. That's why you can have joy after trouble arises. But it seems to me that the average believer that comes to church doesn't fit in this category, but they act the opposite way. What are you saying, pastor? You're not poor, but you don't have any joy. You're not poverty stricken, but you don't have any joy. You're not rock bottom destitute, but you don't have any joy. But if you can have joy when you're poor, you ought to have some joy when you make it. If you can have joy when you're impoverished, it seems to me that you ought to have joy when you've got money in your pocket. If you have joy when you lose everything, it seems to me that you ought to have joy when you have so much to be thankful for. And I need to put a personal word here. Child of God, you ought to be thankful for everything that the Lord has given to you. I'm thankful for not only for what he has done for me, but what he has not done for me. He could have took me out a long time ago. He could have allowed my enemies access to me a long time ago. He could have took back his blessings a long time ago. He could have let my enemies triumph over me. He could have allowed me to lose my mind. He could have allowed me to fall down and never get back up. But I'm so glad and I'm so thankful. And that's why I praise him. I have to lift up holy hands. I have to dance for joy. I have to shout hallelujah. I have to leap for joy. But notice they also had poverty while experiencing liberality. Their poverty was not perceived or imagined. It was real poverty. It was not abstract. It was not fake poverty. It was not like those who claim to be broke but have money in the bank. But these folks were sure enough poor. 
The word of God says they were poor. They were bottom of the sea poor. In other words, everything and everyone else was above their financial status. They had to look at somebody else's prosperity. They had to look up at somebody else's financial uh, portfolio. But let me tell you, somebody here today, you've been looking at somebody else's wealth for a long time, but I want to give you a word of encouragement. Macedonia was poor, but they were known for their liberality. But before I move on, let me tell you that if you're at the bottom of the sea financially, rejoice. Why rejoice? Because God says if you're at the bottom, you've got nowhere else to go but up. My brothers and sisters, I praise God that if you're at the bottom, you don't have to stay at the bottom. If you're the worst preacher in the room, you don't have to stay at the bottom. If you're the worst singer in the choir, you don't have to stay at the bottom. If you're the most struggling worker on your job, you don't have to stay at the bottom. If you're in trouble and feel like you're on Trouble Boulevard and living in a troubled color house, you don't have to stay at the bottom. But God says he's getting ready to turn some folks who've been hanging out on the bottom of blessings and turn you not upside down, but right side up. Paul says they were liberal and liberality suggests that they were single minded in their determination to be generous to the best of their ability. Matter of fact, in verse four, Paul says that they even begged him to contribute to the giving program that was established. Now, the early church giving was to meet the needs of Christians vulnerable because of famine. Paul says that even though they didn't have much, they gave it anyway. Somebody once said that being poor is a problem, but being rich is not the answer. No matter what you have, God can use it. The Macedonians didn't have much clothes, but they sent some clothes to Paul. The Macedonians didn't have much food, but they sent some food to Paul. The Macedonians didn't have much money, but they sent some money to Paul. And Paul understood that the benefit of giving to God is not the gift itself. But Paul understood that there is a spiritual benefit that outweighs the material gain. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? My brothers and sisters, we need to understand that grace followed the Macedonians because they knew how to trust in the Lord. Note that no computer could analyze this amazing formula. Here's the formula. Great affliction plus deep poverty equals abundant joy plus abounding liberality. And I'm so glad to report that I may not have as much. I may not have an overabundance, but I also know that God can take my little bit and he can multiply what I give to him. He'll multiply it financially. He'll multiply it spiritually. He'll give me grace. And you do know what grace is. Acrostically, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. Grace is what I need in this life. Grace helps me to understand that although my life is filled with affliction, I can still have joy. Grace helps me to understand that although my body is wrecked with pain, I can still have joy. Grace helps me to understand that although trouble is in my way, I can still have joy. Grace helps me to understand that I may have cried last night, cried in the morning, but I can still have joy. Not only that, grace helps me to understand that when I'm finding 
financially weak, I have joy in giving to the Lord. Grace helps me to understand that when I'm between jobs, I can still give to God with joy. Grace helps me to understand that when my bills are high and money low, I can still give to God with joy. Why? For it was Jesus who was born in a manger. It was Jesus who died on a rugged cross. It was Jesus who rose early on Sunday morning. It was Jesus who caught a cloud and went to glory and lives forevermore. And as long as Jesus lives, I have joy in the morning. As long as Jesus lives, my way gets brighter. As long as Jesus lives, my hope gets brighter. As long as Jesus lives, I can walk with dignity. As long as Jesus lives, I can shout hallelujah. As long as Jesus lives, I will have somebody on my side. As long as Jesus lives, it may be rough, but he'll make it all right. As long as Jesus lives, goodness and mercy shall follow me. As long as Jesus lives, I'm glad, I'm happy glad that he's Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. And I'm glad that I have grace and he is grace. He is grace personified. He is grace glorified. He is grace demystified. He is grace glorified. He is grace typified. And he is grace all by himself grace. God bless you. God keep you is my prayer. You have been listening to the Light of the World broadcast, a ministry of the Holly Grove Baptist Church in Bridgen, Arkansas. We hope you will join us next week.